types of testing situations and strategies types of testing various types of testing that are done include the following voluntary testing surveillance and mandatory testing voluntary testing has already been described earlier here the patient gives an informed consent for voluntary testing surveillance sometimes it is essential to know the prevalence of disease in the community this helps in planning for the health care of the community as well as in finding effective controls measures for the disease voluntary testing may not give true picture a method known as unlinked anonymous testing is used in this method blood that is collected in the laboratories is used after the test that has been requested is performed a sample of the discarded blood is used for testing for hiv this sample will not have any patient identification on it that is patient's name or number will not be written on the sample the person doing the test will not be able to identify the patient hence it is called unlinked anonymous test in the std clinics blood is usually collected to test for syphilis or other stds after the test is done remaining sample is sent to the surveillance center without any patient identification this survey gives an idea about the prevalence of hiv in high risk groups similar study has been done on antenatal mothers to find the extent of risk involved in the community that is low risk groups most of the reported cases of hiv in the country are based on such surveillance mandatory testing hiv testing that is done compulsorily compulsorily without any consent is known as mandatory testing this method of testing is not recommended it is against human rights and the fundamental rights of the individual testing against the will of the person leads to many problems patients will not come to the healthcare system if they know that they will be checked for hiv the fear and stigma of the disease is enough to prevent from going to a hospital mandatory testing involves a huge expenditure for the healthcare system it is not justified to spend huge amounts on a program that will not eradicate the disease there is no situation that can justify doing an hiv test on a person compulsorily a country also follows this principle when dealing with indian citizen according to anaco and aco the only condition where hiv testing is done mandatory is in relation to requirement to armed forces even then it insists that the client should be counseled in some countries foreigners sometimes need to get an hiv test done mandatory testing is done on all blood banks only the denoted donated blood is tested an individual is not tested the donor is not informed of the test the blood that is collected is discarded this is done because the recipient should always receive only uninfected blood the other situation where a mandatory testing can be done is among pregnant mothers now we have a definite treatment available for preventing the mother to child trans- transmission hence a mandatory testing will help to identify mothers who are a risk and provide them with prophylaxis in the antenatal clinics opt out technique is followed the patient is counseled and the test is done only the mother objects to testing is the test not done testing strategies since hiv is such a serious disease 
much care should be taken to make a diagnosis. You have already learnt about the sensitivity and specificity of the various tests. Do you remember them? If not, please go back and watch other previous episodes. Emphasize should be laid on confidentiality. Considering all these facts, the World Health Organization formulated a testing strategy for testing HIV. The National AIDS Control Organization, NACO, has adopted the same guideline for India. It makes use of the ELISA test and the Western blot test. Recollect these tests accordingly. WHO has three strategies. Strategy 1. Only a single ELISA test is done. This is used only for testing blood or blood products. Single positive ELISA is enough to discard the blood. The reason why this is done is to provide only safe and healthy blood to the patient who receives it. Even if there is slight doubt, the blood is rejected. The donor is not informed about the result. Usually, all blood banks use single ELISA to screen their blood stores. This testing has eliminated blood transfusion as a means of transmitting HIV. Strategy 2 In this strategy, two ELISA tests are done if a patient manifests clinical symptoms of AIDS. A sample of blood is tested by one particular method of ELISA. If the sample is found positive, then a second ELISA is repeated using a different method. If the same if sample is positive, even when the second test is done, the patient is declared as positive. If the second test is negative, it is reported as negative. Some laboratories report it as indeterminate. If the test is being done for survey purpose only, strategy 2 is applied. Strategy 3. In this strategy, three ELISA tests are done or two ELISA and a western blot test is done. It is done in patients who do not have any symptom of AIDS illness. If the blood sample is positive, the two ELISA test. A Western blot test is done. If all are positive, then the patient is declared as positive. If you are working with HIV positive people, it is essential to know the type of tests that are being done in your laboratory. If the lab is not doing all the three tests, then you have to see that your patient's results are confirmed by another laboratory using a different method. Confidentiality. Once a result is known, confidentiality has to be maintained. The lab should release all the results in a cover which is marked as confidential. The results should not be released to a friend or relative. Certain situations of HIV testing. First, can an HIV test be done on a person before he or she is employed? As already stated, no mandatory testing can be done. There is no occupation in which HIV can be spread to the worker through working conditions. The employers cannot refuse to offer employment or terminate the worker on the basis of HIV reports. Even if the employer is paying for the test, the employer should not be given the test result. An employee gives consent for the testing. B. Should HIV test be made compulsory before marriage? In India, Arranged marriages are common. Many people have felt that an HIV test should be made compulsory for both the parties. Do you think it's right? It may be healthy to leave the choice to the partner whether to opt for an HIV test or not. 
HIV testing and confidentiality. The right to confidentiality is one of the important rights of the patient. The information disclosed to a physician during course of relationship should be kept confidential by the physician. The doctor-patient relationship should be confidential to the greatest possible degree. The patient should feel free to make a full disclosure for information to the physician in order that the physician may most effectively provide needed services. The patient should be able to make this disclosure with the knowledge that the physician will respect the confidential nature of the communication. The physician should not reveal confidential information without the expressed consent of the patient unless required to do so by law. The obligation to safeguard the patient's confidence is subject to certain expectations, exceptions, which are ethically and legally justified because of overriding social consideration. Where a patient threatens to inflict serious bodily harm to another person or to him or herself and there is a reasonable probability that the patient may carry out the threat. The physician should take reasonable precaution for the protection of the intended victim, including notification of law enforcement authorities. If physician knows that an HIV positive individual is endangering a third party, the physician should within the constraint of the law first attempt to persuade the infected patient to cease endangering the third party. If persuasion fails, notify authorities and third, if the authorities take no action, notify the endangered third party. Communicable diseases and suspected medical legal cases should be reported as required by law. These principles regarding confidentiality in general apply to HIV-related information as well. The International Guideline on HIV AIDS and Human Rights says, General confidentiality and privacy laws should be enacted. HIV-related information on individuals should be included within definitions of personal medical data subject to protection and should prohibit the unauthorized use and or publication of HIV-related information on individuals. Privacy legislation should enable an individual to see his or her own record and to request amendment to ensure that such information is accurate, relevant, complete and up-to-date. An independent agency should be established to redress breaches of confidentiality. Provision should be made for professional bodies to discipline cases of breaches and confidentiality as professional misconduct under codes of conduct. The confidentiality of the result of HIV testing must be maintained as much as possible and the limits of a patient's confidentiality should be known to the patient before consent is given. Obligation to report HIV status Generally speaking, when law necessitates reporting of both HIV and AIDS, it should be done anonymously. Nominal reporting is not warranted either for surveillance or for partner notification purpose. Test providers, ethicists, public health professionals, technical experts and others have to develop a system that collects only the information necessary using unique or coded identifiers that ensure privacy and confidentiality is protected. The studies are going to be totally biased because of the non-cooperation of the general public. This type of system exists in United Kingdom. Also, the con communication media has to exercise a lot of self-discipline in this matter. The inhuman prosecution that followed careless reporting by communication media of some HIV AIDS patients in our, our country is well known. Do to others as you would have them to do to you has been the golden rule of ethics 
down the ages. Pattern notification. When a married person is tested positive of HIV, should the medical professional or authorities inform the partner about it? If the person is likely to infect the partner, certainly there is no obligation on the part of the medical profession to divulge the information to the partner. Convincing the person to share this information with the partner would be much more effective and conducive to prevent the spread of the disease. It would be better policy to inform each person who requests HIV testing and counselling under which circumstances the partner will have to be notified in case the test proves to be positive. Effects of breaching confidentiality While most agree that there are situations in which breaching confidentiality would be justified ethically, such breaches raise difficult questions. What will occur if it becomes generally known that clinicians breach confidentiality to protect their third parties? Will patients cease to speak freely about their behavior? Will the public health suffer as a consequence? Here we are facing an extraordinary irony. The ethics of the clinical relationship, which usually favors strict confidentiality, appears to dictate a breach of confidentiality in the matter of partner notification, while the ethics of public health, which are usually less concerned with confidentiality, may dictate a stricter adherence to it. It would be more beneficial to analyze the reasons why a client refused to tell his or her sexual partner about his or her HIV-positive conditions. Walking through of deep-rooted issues of rejection, abandonment, loneliness, and infidelity may be more effective for prevention of the spread of AIDS rather than police-like reporting practices. Confidentiality of HIV status on autopsy, post-mortem report. In the same vein, it is clear that healthcare professionals have a serious duty to maintain the confidentiality of HIV status on post-mortem reports. Physicians who perform autopsies or who have access to autopsy information regarding a patient's HIV status should be familiar with state law governing. First, the reporting of HIV and AIDS to public health authorities. Second, obligations to inform third parties who may be at risk of HIV infection through contact with the HIV infected dead person. Third, other parties to whom reporting may be required like funeral directors embalmers, etc. This includes reporting to organ or tissue procurement agencies if any parts of the descendant's body were taken for use in transplantation. So here uh, we dealt with certain pertinent issues like partner notification as well as confidentiality of HIV status on autopsy reports. All these issues are very important while dealing with issues relating to HIV AIDS in social agencies and social setting as well as medical setting in our country. The right to autonomy of HIV AIDS patients. Autonomy is a term derived from the Greek autos, self, and nomos, rule, governance or law. It means self-governance. It is widely accepted principle in medical ethics that competent author- patient has the right to autonomy. Intelligence and freedom are the basis of autonomy. Therefore, any patient who enjoys the gift of intelligence and freedom is competent to decide for himself or herself and has a right to autonomous decision. HIV AIDS patient, if competent, also enjoys the basic rights of autonomy, the right to knowledge and the right to ignorance. 
with regard to understanding what is happening to them the right to knowledge about to them if they do not want to know the right to know and accept what is being done to them with regard to the diagnostics and therapeutic procedures the right to give informed consent and the right to enjoy confidentiality it is quite evident that uh, this right is not an absolute right the rights and freedoms of another person limited in the context of special nature of hiv aids let us see how the right to autonomy applies to the questions of testing for hiv right to confidentiality etc the ethical advantages of testing testing can tell the person tested whether he or she is carrying the virus or not this may be useful to the individual in two ways first it informs the individual of whether or not to expect the onset of serious illness a person can take adequate precautions and treatment of this illness second it tells the person whether or not he or she is likely to transmit a lethal virus to another person by intimate contact this is the ethics of right to knowledge no person welcomes the dreadful news that he or she has dreadful disease people who oppose testing try to uphold the right to ignorance it is true that the news that one is suffering from some time that may lead to fatal illness is bound to be unwelcome enforcement of these rights tends to injure the second function that is precaution to infect others it is hard to justify a right to remain ignorant unless the desire to remain ignorant is combined with the willingness to behave as if one has been tested and the result was positive